Hello and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. In this episode, we talk winter sea bass fishing. We talk winter sea bass fishing with Billy Stokes, the fishing department manager at Yacht Brothers Marine. And he's going to be covering such topics as gear, jigs and bait, locations, and anchoring versus drifting. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in this latest chapter, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. And this is the podcast series where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast, ask them to share with us, with our listeners, with our viewers, their thoughts, their insight, their knowledge on catching more fish more often up and down the North Carolina coast. And I believe that the other goal isn't, it isn't just more fish. It's also just giving you confidence so that you get and get your family and friends together to spend more time on the water more often. I am joined this week, just like I am every week, with my cohort, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Hello, Billy. What's going on, Gary? I'm excited to be doing another fishing show. I'm excited to be talking right. fishing. Let's go. I'm excited about fishing. All right. I, I haven't been in a while, but... It's winter time. It's time. You got to want to go. It's time. It's time to fish for trout in the surf. Or sea bass. Or sea bass. Because that's what this episode's about. <laughs> that would be a better setup. Where am I? What am I doing? How did I get here? Oh, man. That would be a better setup, but that's not my job. My job is to make sure all this tech stuff works, so here I am. <laughs> and see how I effortlessly brought it back. Yeah, I know, right? Effortlessly. I was actually testing you to make sure I wanted you to be the co-host to 2021. So, good job. <laughs> you passed the test. Yes. You may continue on. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, man. Speaking of continuing on, uh, we really appreciate Marine Warehouse continuing to be the sponsor of this episode. Uh, and we're going to play a quick video from those guys, and we'll be right back. As you know, it's been a great year for boat sales. However, it's been really tough for customers to find boats in stock. We're the headquarters in Wilmington, North Carolina for Pear Customs, Sailfish, Sea Chaser, and Carolina Skiff. Our manufacturers are telling us the high demand for boats is going to affect 2021 inventory as well. So if you're looking to get a boat in the spring, you need to come sign up with us now. That All right, awesome, man. Uh, go go get a boat. Go get signed up to get a boat. They're short stock right get now. Get in line. Get yeah. in line. Get your order in is the message. I got my order in whenever they get a free one. Um, <laughs> you know, we're coming off the holidays, and Terrell is relentless. I mean, I had to tell him, no, I can't is come Is his name Terrell or Terrell? Terrell, I'm sorry. <laughs> Guy's got me beat up. You're so, you're so full of turkey. He invited me. I was like, man, I'm going to spend Christmas with my family. I can't come over <laughs> and have food and drink with you over Christmas. And so when I finally got over there, he served up some black-eyed peas and collards, you know. Nice. For good luck. Yeah. I don't know how old they were, but he served up some black-eyed peas and collards. Sounds like a sounds like a band to me, but whatever. And he he told me. He got me excited. He said, Gary, I know, I know in 2020 I told you some bad jokes but I'm going to do much better in 2021. I said, all right, Terrell, what do you got? They're not any better. No? No. Well, let's hear it. I'll let you judge. Let's hear it. How do you stop 
a fish from smelling bad? I don't know. You cover its nose. All right. That's pretty that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah? I don't know if he told you that. I think one of your kids told you that, Jim. No, that's terrible, yeah, man. That's Straight terrible. up, man. All right. Good job, Terrell. Good job. This is the time where I go, Billy, save us all with the fish photo. I'm going to show you the fish photo right here. Where is that fish photo? Here it is. We got a, uh, this is actually a five-year flashback. That's pretty cool. From 2016, Haley Hamilton of Merritt Island, Florida, with a sea bass caught three miles of uh, New River Inlet. The fish fell for a two-ounce spro jig with a four-inch gulp swimming bait. It's a good-looking fish. I was in a flashback mode when I was thinking, what am I going to do for a photo selection? I thought, you know what? Let's go in the archive. We haven't done that yet. We've yeah. Been, we've been sharing recent fish photos, but I thought, you know what? I enjoy a good old flashback yeah, photo. Good. Well, speaking of flashback, if people want to flashback and watch some of our flashback videos from last year, nice. they can go check on. Oh, see? Nice. Yeah, right. Go check on our YouTube channel. Uh, I'll bring up a little slide here for you if you're watching. You can uh, go check us out on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, uh, Google Podcasts, and then also on our YouTube channel. Uh, really excited that we've been growing that YouTube channel, Gary, and getting people uh, involved and commenting and uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun to build those different communities and different platforms. So we appreciate people subscribing on them and giving us some feedback. I agree. Yep. You know, we look forward to the comments. They come through the good Excellent. and the bad. And this is the time where we say, all right, Billy, Billy's best takeaway. We got Billy Stokes. Don't get confused by the Ooh, two Billies. Yeah, we got right. two Billies going to talk about winter sea bass fishing. And at the conclusion, I'm coming back to you saying, all right, Billy, this man has over 70 years of experience. <laughs> Certainly there is something in there I, you walk away with. I'm going to pull something out. Yeah. And it's got to be good. All right. All right. All right. So now I'm going to our guest of honor, our guest tonight. Hello, Billy Stokes of Yop Brothers Marine. Thank you for joining us, sir. Yes, sir. Um, appreciate you joining us. Appreciate you sharing your knowledge here. As I, as we've been saying, as we've been setting up, we're going to talk with you today about winter sea bass fishing. You know, the idea being with grouper closed, there's still plenty of bottom fishing to do out there, you know, and so winter sea bass fishing gear, jigs and bait. We're going to talk about locations and anchoring versus drifting. But before we get to that content, sir, I have to vet you with two questions. The first question, are you ready? Yes, I am. Why, why should we listen to anything you have to say about a sea bass? Well, that's an interesting question. I may wonder that myself. <laughs> Actually, I'm 72 years old. I've been a licensed captain to, uh, since I was 51. And I ran trips for quite a while. I've been on several pro staffs. I'm currently uh, on the Pure Fishing Ambassador Program. I've been on uh, Bass Pros, Pro Staff for four years, Pratico, 10 years, Precision Tackle, still on it. And I've been fishing since I was 10 years old. I have done many things. I fished tournaments. I have uh, I have cit North Carolina citations in 19 different species of fish. So I've done a lot of things. Uh, and I enjoy sea bass fishing in the winter because they move inshore. And you can find big schools of them, and you can jig until you get tired of it. So it's just, it's just fun to do. Right on. I like it. I like the answer. And and now after tonight, you can add to your resume podcast. You know, you can check off podcast. 
check off bucket. That'd be great. All right. Question number two, as is tradition, is a non-fishing related question. This is where you have an opportunity to really impress us. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. All right. I would like you to finish this line from the movie Dumb and Dumber. Have you ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? No, I always thought I'd be dumb for watching it. Well, you might be able to guess the answer. Here it is. Kick his ass, blank. Jackass? Seabass. <laughs> Seabass. <laughs> Great. That's good. Yeah, man. Right? Uh, relevant. I, I thought I was pretty proud of yeah. myself there. Yeah, you did good. All right. Now it's your turn to shine, Billy. Let's start it off. Yeah, I think you were going to set up to talk about gear first. So what do you got for me? What is the typical sea bass gear you would set someone up with or suggest they head out with? I I like a spinning reel for that. Um, I will show you. I will show you my rig. Okay. So this is a uh, pin spin Fisher six, sixty five hundred size reel. It's a uh, ugly stick power light rod. Uh, a 5100 rod it'll be in a little bit and that means class and that is actually the jig that i use 90 percent of the time and that right there is a roscoe jig called a little roscoe two ounces and that is really basically that size gear regardless of the make something that i'm going down to the bottom real quick and learn how to jig so what uh what line is on that sixty five hundred reel? You talking about brand or um braid? Sixty five braid, sixty five pound braid. And why that? Why that selection? Why do you like sixty five? I like sixty five because it's a good line for this particular reel and for the rod and for the lure. Uh, I like a, a little heavier. I wouldn't want thirty or forty because you never know. Uh, most people lose big fish because they're not prepared for the exception, and I try not to be in that situation. So I'll have a little heavier line. And then why is it that you uh, opt for the spinner versus conventional tackle with bottom fishing or bottom fishing for sea bass? The, the action of the rod is it seems to – I've done it with a conventional reel, but I like the results of the spinning rod better. And I'm not quite sure I follow. What is it that you like about it? Like the results? You like the a more feel to it or? Just a better action, really. I mean, you know, you do up and down with it, and uh, it's easier for me to do it with a spinning reel than it is to have uh, my hand under the rod and trying to jig with a conventional reel. All right. Well, then, if I move to the second topic, if I move to jigs and bait, at least that's what I have in my notes. So let's start. You've already shown us that jig. So let's let's repeat again what it is, that jig that you like, and then what you like about it. Okay. Well, what I really like about it is it catches. It catches a lot of different kinds of fish. It is a blue water candy, two-ounce Roscoe Little Man, and it has a treble hook on the bottom. Uh, you better really this one, this one is rigged ready to go and so that's 50 pound a liter uh and that's it i don't tip it with anything i don't um, i just fish it straight naked just like it is and it will catch fish and that's true of all the other jigs too i mean i actually use some bucktails once in a while and numerous brands of jigs uh i've actually caught some sea bass in 30 foot of water right outside new river inlet 
jigging for gray trout and then catch a legal sea bass. So that leader is 50 pound mono. It's not like fluoros necessary. I don't think it is necessary, but I do use fluoro. And then how long of a leader do you like? What was that that was tied on there? Eight. I'm sorry. I like a two foot long, two foot long leader. Two foot long leader. And then you're not tying knots. You like to crimp it? This, uh, these leaders you just saw, I crimped. Yes, it's simple. It's it's it's, it's, do, it's done properly. It's just as good as a knot. It makes less turbulence in the water falling. And then you'll attach that leader to what a snap swivel or how? It... I attach it to a snap swivel some of the time. Sometimes I'll tie it straight. Normally I keep two rods ready to go. Okay. And if so, you said if it's not a Roscoe, then you're jump. You're you'll drop down a bucktail. Um, again, maybe I made the mistake of writing down bait. Are you also a bait fisherman when it comes to sea bass? I, if people, if I have like my grandchildren with me and they can't quite, you can always put bait on the bottom, you know, a chicken rig or something like that. But any place that I stop when I'm in the ocean fishing, uh, the first thing that goes down is my Roscoe view. So why is that? Oh, this a fish finder tells me what's going on. You know, you're liable to catch anything on a jig. It could be a a, a ringtail or a pup or a porgy. You know, it can be anything. Palm tape. Well, so it kind of gives you an idea because fish cool up. So if I'm ringtails, I got to move to go find some sea bass. All right. So I'm going to ask you more about the action on that Roscoe. But since some people, you know, might also have kids and they might also want the bait option. You know, you're using what, just a simple chicken rig, just a simple two-hook rig, and then if you had two baits of choice, what would those two baits of choice be? It would be squid, squid strip. And you would put two squid, you put squid on both hooks. It's not like you need to offer them something different just to see what's happening? Well, I would do that and then see what happens. And then, uh, you know, it, typically when January gets here, grouper are not legal. I, I really don't want to have to deal with a grouper. Uh, if I put on a cigar mint or something like that, and it's like in the summertime and on a chicken rig, then I get a grouper. Well, great. But um, when I'm targeting sea bass, it's going to be a jig. All right. Now tell me, I guess, more about the action of the jig. When you drop it down to the bottom, that thing hits the bottom. Then what is the action that you are employing on that jig to get that you have found generates the best results? I, I jig and, and, and swing it up like up like that and then drop it down and that's when it falls is when the fish hits it it's fluttering down back to the bottom and i just keep doing it until the thing goes tight and you feel it hit it you can feel them bump it sometimes and not get hooked so when you're jigging it up what are you saying you're bringing up maybe two feet or less than two feet people love specifics which is why i keep on following you up with questions good uh, uh two to three feet not a real big swing and then and it I'm, whether I'm drifting or, or if I'm anchored. Because when you're drifting, the line is continually be let out to keep the angle right. You've got to keep it on the bottom. Or you're hitting the bottom jig up, hitting the bottom. Whereas when you're you're anchored, then you're straight up and down vertical jigging. All right. So let's. this is good. This is a good segue. I mean, so one thing I was going to ask you, two to three foot on the rise. And then when you let it fall, you're trying to maintain, you know, contact and you let it go all the way down and hit the bottom again, you want to feel the bottom again. And then I have my finger on the line when it's falling. And if I feel anything at all, I'm ready. 
And if it, if it goes tight on its own, and then I go ahead and just raise up on the rod and start cranking. Just raise up on the rod and start cranking. So you're not swinging for the fences on that hook set. It's more a pull up and reel. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not looking to do a build dance hook set. Okay. <laughs> We're seeing bass fishing. If you've, or he's already gone tight on it because it's falling. And once you go tight on him and you start cranking with a 65 braid, he, he's only going to come one way. That's up. And he's pretty well hooked. All right. So you were going into the differences. And I mean, you, I think you gave a good summary, but I just want to make sure I didn't miss. So talk to me again about how you would approach anchor fishing different than drift fishing. Okay. Well, anchoring, you probably uh, have either marked fish and you know what they look like on a depth finder. And you're trying to get to a certain spot. You've got a GPS number. And uh, and you. it's important to learn how to anchor, how to set and drift and all that. And I'll, I'll do that sometimes. But sometimes if it's really calm, which you'll have a calm day in the winter, December, January, and that's when I go, um, you can just drift a little bit. Of course, now, I have, I have always said I wanted a, uh, an 80-foot power pole where I could just stab it down and fish like I wanted to. Well, that, uh, that trolling motor I have has a spotlight feature on it, so I don't have to worry about anchoring anymore. I just hit the spot, boom, and there you are. It is. It's convenient. So if I'm on your boat and we, you see something on the bottom that you like and you hit that GPS spot lock, um, you, first off, we're just dropping straight down like there's no casting involved. Okay, so there's no cast involved. So if we drop down and it's not exactly happening, are you having me work around the boat? Are you having me work away from the boat a little bit? Or is it it's either straight down or not at all? It's basically straight down, especially if you got, you know, two or three people on the boat because if everybody starts casting, uh, that can get dangerous with a metal jig going through there and, uh, and lines getting tangled up and everything. So I like to space people out on the boat, and, you know, I don't it's not fun being tangled up and taking away fishing time. And then if we're drifting, you I think you were saying something about the angle of the line. What was what was that? I think I missed it. Okay, when you're drifting and you and you drop straight down and the boat is moving, well, your line is gonna go down current. So you're continually letting out line so the lure can keep hitting the bottom when you lift up. So you can do that for a little while and then you have to re either have to crank it back in or you make another drip, one or the other or both. So how about location? You know, I think that was certainly one of our talking points. So winter sea bass fishing, so we're not talking about year round, but in the wintertime and you got you're a Sneeds Ferry guy, so I'm sure we're gonna be talking specifically about Sneeds Ferry, but the lessons are there up and down the coast. Talk to me about what to expect from a sea bass in the wintertime. Sea bass have a tendency to move inshore from offshore during the winter when the water gets cold. They, they like a certain temperature. They come in close. They'll come within 30, 40, 40 feet deep sometimes. And I fish for them in, from that water out to 12 miles, 13 miles from off the beach and 70 foot of water. Uh, when you're When you're in it, I've had schools of sea bass that would mark from the bottom at 70 foot and they'd be up 35 foot off the bottom solid. 
And that is nothing but fun. You just put a jig down there, bang, bang, bang. If you get off, another one to get it. So 30 feet, 30 to 40 feet would be about the closest. And again, I think what most people's experience is, I think, I mean, I can't speak for most people, but what I would guess is, man, there's so many undersized sea bass. What I need this guy to do is to tell me how to put legal keeper sea bass in the boat because, sure, I can go out and catch those small ones, which is fun, but it's also fun to come home with dinner. So the winter sea bass fishing, keeper sea bass, no problem, 30, 40 feet of water. No, if you find the right school, but they're bigger fish in the winter. I mean, they just are uh, because it's, it's a sea bass are basically a cold water fish. They're more prevalent north. We even have two different rules, uh, regulations on sea bass in North Carolina, north of Hatteras and south of Hatteras. Our limit here on our section is limit seven, seven per person per day, recreationally, and 13 inches. North is... Uh, it's a different it's a different ball game. So I don't go north, but I can't tell you, but it's a different rule. And then in your opinion, like you really shouldn't have to go any further than seventy feet in the wintertime, seventy feet of water. Certainly you can find your fish without going any further than that. I think that's correct, yeah. And there's a lot of places out there anyway. Uh you got can I I'll show this map. I, I don't know if I can or not, but just top spot map. That's okay. Cape Fear to Cape Lookout offshore has so many features on it and so many numbers that are public numbers now and it gives you the type fish that can be caught there and most of those places uh in the winter time especially anywhere from the beach out to 12 13 miles there's going to be a school of bass somewhere so maybe especially on a calm day so what about the bottom like what kind of bottom do they like are they hanging out on reefs are they hanging out on wrecks like what has been your experience I found that you nailed it. This uh, I'm looking for a ledge or a hump, a hard bottom, uh, and then uh, also artificial reefs work. They do. I don't fish a lot of artificial reefs, but I I like I like the the hard bottom the ledges and, and fishing the edge of a ledge, fishing the edge of a rock, and fish have a tendency like if you've got a hump and the current is coming across. The, the bait is in the predatory fish are going to be on the down current side of the rock waiting for stuff to wash by. So ideally we have a ledge where the high side of the ledge is where the current is coming over and the current is coming over the high to the downside of the ledge. And then that's where you'll f fish. You'll fish that sort of change of depth right there. That's the ideal scenario. Scenario and it'll show right up on your depth line. On your fish finder it'll be quite obvious what does a sea bass look like on your depth finder they're thick it'll be red on mine just a red mass yes and there'll be individual spots but it's red i mean it's it's noticeable once you once you get into them you'll you'll recognize man i have a couple other questions again i know my crowd is curious i know the people that watch the podcast is curious we got people of all levels some advanced some you know beginning just like you run into the tackle shop so got a couple more follow-up questions so as far as a ledge or a hump like how much of a drop would constitute a fishable ledge to you how much of a change in in height of a hump would can constitute a hump to look at closer furthermore so that's it. Or, just a foot. or, or con, uh, conversely, a dip of 
little more. Arise or dip. And it do, so it do, we're not looking for anything overly significant. Even that foot change could hold fish. Yeah, it changes the flow of water when it's coming across and everything. It just creates a place for fish to ambush and a place, place for bait to be. And then my other question is, when you say a ledge, hard bottom, hump, hard bottom, what are you talking about when you're talking about a hard bottom? Like old coral, stuff like that that's grown and it's not growing anymore, maybe a dead reef or whatever. I have pulled up, get hung on the bottom. So it's, it's rock, coral, you know. It's not, it's not sand and it looks like a desert. It is obviously a relief down there, up and down. And that's showing up on the machine or that's showing up just when you get a hook down there and you can sort of feel around? No, it shows up on the machine. You need that. That's a good that's that's one of your best friends going any kind of fishing out there. If you're gonna bottom fish, you need to you gotta understand how the bottom works and uh fish hang around structure. Natural structure, man made structure. Well, I believe we're wrapping up, you know, but this is the point where I ask some sort of follow up questions. I'm not sure that I set you up to share everything you want to share. Any other insights you would give someone focused on electronics? You know, because as we're hearing from you, electronics are important. Anything that someone needs to know about electronics and winter sea bass fishing that I haven't set you up already to share? I think on electronics, uh, it depends on your, your interest level in the fishing, really. If you're going to go out once or twice a year, you don't need sophisticated units. You just need some numbers of where to go and then run around that number and explore to see if there's a ledge or something in addition to the number that you have and you can find your own numbers and have a place to fish um the, the more sophisticated the unit the, of your electronics the more it will tell you but you don't need a real sophisticated thing in the winter time for trying to catch sea bass all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of do the roundup with the same question. What about locations? Anything else about locations and about, you know, again, I think a lot of our viewers maybe don't get that much time, so they get maybe a couple of winter trips. They got one trip. Your suggestion is head out the inlet and... Keep guys on that scope, but you need, you need to really have some numbers. You know, like, so if you use that chart, and you find uh, where it says sea bass on that particular number, that's a good place to try. But any structure, any structure at all, even the artificial reef, are probably a 50-50 chance of going, you're going to find what you want to find in all the right. wintertime. Final thoughts, on, final thoughts on jigs, final thoughts on bait. Okay. I, was, I wanted to cover this because I think it's important. Uh, you've, you've heard of Larry Dahlberg? No. Okay, well, he's the guy that does the monster fishing things on TV. And he says basically people go, fishermen go through four stages. Number one, they're brand new. They want to catch a fish. That's their goal, catch one. Number two is catch a lot of fish. Number three is to catch a big fish. And number four is to catch a fish with a certain technique. You can kill sea bass on a bottom rig, chicken rig, easy. But learning how to do it on something like a jig, now you're angling. You're, you are doing something special where you are in control of the lure. You're not attracting them to dead bait or live bait. You're catching them and you're fooling them into hitting something that they, just, they thought was food. So that's why I like jigging. 
Um, that makes sense, man. And then uh, this is going to be my last follow-up question. Anything else on the gear as in the rod and reel and the line and the leader? No, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. I, I, I would try to make sure I got a jigging rod, I, regardless of the brand. It needs to be at least a 60-pound class rod. It could go on up more than that. But it's fun to have the rod bend pretty good. But it needs to be a, a decent rod that's going to break on you when you got that pressure. And uh, good line. Don't don't go. Don't try to make it the, the least expensive thing you've ever done. Don't try to make it the most expensive. Thing. Just try to be efficient in what you're using in the gear. Make it batch. So 6,500 size reel, spinning reel. Six, six and a half foot rod. That's a jigging rod. And a whole assortment of lures that are two ounces, three ounces uh, that get to the bottom. And then tell me a little bit about Yacht Brothers. Like this is, I guess I gave you a chance to sort of tell us about yourself at the beginning here at the end. Tell us a little bit about Yacht Brothers. You know, they're a boat dealership, but they've also put a lot of effort into tackle. Yes, they were uh, um, a boat place for 20 some years. Sold a brand of boat and several brands of boats. And in Sneeds Ferry, there was not a real uh, developed tackle shop. I used to work at Eastern Outfitters, but I lived in Sneeds Ferry, and I had talked with these people about putting in a tackle shop in their store three years ago. I told it longer than that, but uh, they called me up and said, I want to hear what you got to say. And three years ago, we had a section in the store that we put in tackle, and it has grown quite a bit. Uh, we more than doubled the first year. To the second year and we more than doubled this year and we're doing well we have uh, we have a lot of bait we have we sell a lot of bait you could call us a bait shop we have all different kinds of brands of rods and reels fishing line all tests uh, we even have uh, some bluefin tuna stuff going on we have big reels and in international reels in the 80s we sell those sold some today the tuna bites real good and we're just trying to meet a need for people to have a place that they can go and get what they want. And if they want to talk fishing, then that's something I'd love to do. Mr. Stokes, I am glad that Dan Vinette of Pure Fishing put us together. I'm glad to have this relationship with you. I've enjoyed talking sea bass fishing with you. And I look forward to talking with you again in the near future. We'll do it. I've enjoyed this. This was fun. Thank you, sir. Okay. Billy. All right, I'm back. You are back. Here I am. What's up? <laughs> and we just covered winter sea bass fishing. Billy Stokes there shared with yep. us his experience with winter sea bass fishing, an easy fishery. Theoretically, an easy fishery. <laughs> Theoretically, right? What is the Billy's best takeaway? Well, this has nothing to do about sea bass. It has to do with the level of fisherman that I am. Because he gave the four levels of fishermen. Yes. Somebody who just wants to catch a fish, catch a lot of fish, catch a big fish. I'm level one. I think I'm, I'm just like, God, I just want to catch a fish. <laughs> I'm over here just like, wait a second. I'm on a fishing so, podcast, and I'm a level one and you're, you're number one <laughs> on that guy's scale. I'm like on the bottom of the totem pole here. I just want to catch a freaking fish. You know, I got to say, I was waiting for a level that I didn't hear. And it was, you go from catch a fish to a lot of fish to a big fish. And I even understand the technique. And then I think it's related in that is you want to take people fishing. You want to get pe oh, other people yeah. catching fish. So maybe like five levels, six levels. So maybe there's five levels. Five levels of the, fishing. The Gary Hurley five level. See, I'm one better than 
monster fish. You guys better look out for a t-shirt coming, the five <laughs> levels of fishing. Which one are you? Hey, yeah, uh, That's funny. Good issue. Wrap us up. It, it was a good episode. <laughs> episode. <laughs> I'm trying to get Gary converted over here to digital. It's all right. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, man, just an awesome episode. Once again, thank you, Marine Warehouse, for being a sponsor of the show. Uh, and if you haven't uh, listened to us or watched us, uh, be sure to go check us out on different platforms. YouTube, you can watch us on there. And then uh, sp- anywhere, anywhere podcast is, including Amazon Music, which is uh, recently just added that one. So be sure to go check us out and like, subscribe, share, rate, review, whatever, all those things that you can do on social media. We enjoy it. Stay tuned for another year. That's right. Thanks a lot, Gary. Thank you. Fishermen's Earth. More fish, more often.